Scripture reading this morning is from the book of Psalms. As you know, we're, we're going through the book of Psalms, uh, picking out different Psalms with different themes uh, each week this summer. And uh, Mike will explain the theme of Psalm 67 to you as he brings God's Word. But we're going to read it together. You can uh, find it in your bulletin or on your Bible app or in your Bibles. Psalm 67, beginning at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace Valley. Really happy to be with you. Uh, I'm, I'm sad, of course, that my wife and I, my four excitable kids, as you called them, couldn't be here. It's a bit rich for Paul to be calling people excitable. I mean, my kids, pot calling the kettle black. I don't know what's going on, but uh, they are very excitable. We have uh, four kids ages six and under, and um, we are moving to Halifax, Lord willing. Uh, really, as soon as we're able to to raise the uh, money that's necessary to go there and to stay there. They want us to stay put, not have to come back to do more fundraising. As soon as we, we feel uh, adequately uh, prepared, have the mechanisms in place for such a big move from Ottawa, where we're currently living, to Halifax. Um, so we invite you to partner with us in a couple of different ways. Thank you so much for the, the offering that you took up this morning. Um, for those of you who are coming after the service, may I again mention there will be ice cream sandwiches available. I'm against bribery in most forms, but in this case, I, I wholeheartedly endorse it. So would love for you to stay afterwards, get some more information about what we're doing. Love to get to know you guys a little bit more. Um, this is a work of, of our church family. This isn't simply uh, my and Brittany's work or Resurrection Church in Ottawa, but this is uh, our family of churches in the PCA doing this work. You are essential partners in what we're doing. And so we would love for you to, to have some ownership, to really feel like this is your work that's going on. Um, this morning we are reading uh, Psalm 67, and um, the, the Psalms, as some of you probably know, are, are poems. They are songs, uh, the ascription here. Uh, this is set uh, to stringed instruments. It's to the choir master. The Psalms were often sung in the context of corporate worship, where God's people would get together and they would sing together. And so the shape of the Psalms are artistic. They're intentional. And the shape of a psalm is often important to understand the particular message, the main theme that it's trying to convey. I want you to notice if you look at the text, verses 1 and 2, verses 6 and 7, these are kind of like the topmost and the bottommost lines. They have very similar themes. May God bless us. May he be known throughout the earth. You see kind of parallels there. If you move inwards, so downwards from the top, upwards from the bottom, um, verses 3 and 5 repeat the same thing. Let the peoples praise you. Uh, notice also that verses 1 through 3, the top three verses, verses 5 through 7, the bottom three verses, they're paired. They each have two lines. And so all of this uh, structure is making us look to the very center of the psalm, the very middle. And, and that's the money line, verse 4. 
It's different from the other lines. It's composed of three lines, unlike the other ones. Uh, this is a structure that, uh, that um, scholars would call an inclusio or a chiasm, or for our purposes, we'll say it's layered like a Big Mac. If like the middle of a Big Mac wasn't bread, if it was something delicious, like an extra layer of bacon or sausage or whatever you really like, all right? So it's, it's a Big Mac-shaped uh, poem or song. And it's really trying to bring our attention to verse 4, right in the middle, read it there, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, with fairness. You guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Now, now you, you encounter this word selah throughout the, the, the Psalms. It's a musical notation, many think. And it, and it gives the congregation as they're singing a moment to pause, to take a breath, to reflect on what's just been said. I don't want to allow us even just a moment to, to reflect, to have a little selah break on what we've just read in verse 4, this money point of the psalm, which is so significant. Consider this, the triune God of the Bible. He wants the nations, all of the peoples in the world, to be glad, to sing for joy. Our God is one who wants every last man, woman, and child on the face of planet Earth to know him, to enjoy relationship with him in his presence. God is good. He is a fair leader. He is a wise guide and shepherd. God wants the whole earth, all of Canada, all of Dundas, all of Halifax, to be blessed, that is, to be happy under the providence of God. Selah. Think about that. But how will God achieve this? How will God's people see this grand vision of all peoples, all nations, before God? How does it get there? Well, if we observe the Big Mac shape, there is some structure. There, there's a plan, actually, in Psalm 67 for how God will extend his blessings to the nations. And, and this is what we see. God will extend his blessings to the nations by blessing his people. That's what Psalm 67 makes a case for. God extends his blessings to the nations, to all peoples on the earth, by blessing his people. And the way we'll, we'll proceed this morning, the structure, is that we'll, we'll fill out that statement that I just made by answering two important questions. And this is the first question we, we need to ask. There's an outline on the back of your bulletin, which is very nice. I'm not sure how closely I'll stick to it, but I'll do my best. This is the first question we'll try to answer. How does God bless us? How does God bless us? We need to understand that first. Now, I did, of course, in preparation for, for this sermon, some very heavy um, theological and biblical research to understand the root of uh, this Hebrew word barak, what it really means. It's translated English as blessed or blessing. Uh, and, and so as any of us, as we do research, the first thing we should consult is Facebook and Instagram and other social media forms. That's where we get our best information. And so I went on Instagram and I typed in hashtag blessed and there was 111 million at the time anyways explanations of what it means to be blessed. How does God bless us? Uh, and this hashtag, there are other hashtags I could have consulted. Hashtag blessed life, hashtag blessed praise hands, but I just stuck with hashtag blessed, just kind of refined my search. I didn't want to go too far off. What did my deep research uncover? What do, what do you think? How does God bless? Well, Instagram reveals that we're primarily blessed through new haircuts, perhaps a new baby, a new job, new relationships, a new outfit, all right? Uh, and at this point, most of you are smiling, but as I say these things, you should be wrinkling your nose and be like, that's not the way God blesses us. That is very unspiritual. That's, that's, no, that's very worldly. I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. 
But you might be surprised, actually, when you turn and you look at the scriptures, how often just the stuff of earth is connected with God's blessing. Uh, things like haircuts and parking spots that you prayed for and, and good food to eat. These are actually viewed in the Bible as things given to us by a very good and gracious God for our enjoyment. They are his blessings to us. If you look at verse 6 at the bottom of, of, our, of our psalm, the psalmist is looking at an abundant harvest that's coming in. He says, the earth has yielded its increase. The psalmist is, is receiving food as a blessing from God. Good food. Not just, not just good food, but lots of good food. An abundant harvest. Stuff is good, people. Uh, we were just at a wedding on Friday, and at a wedding, there's typical things that you associate with a wedding. There's dresses and decorations and tuxes and meat and wine and dancing and laughing. Not sure if dancing was okay to say, but I'll say it. Um, these are all viewed as good gifts, blessings from our God. And actually, in the early church, this idea was met with some resistance because it feels very unspiritual. It, it feels not quite right with a, with a very spiritual religion. And, and actually, there was um, some false teachers telling early Christians that, look, don't get married don't eat certain kinds of food. Those things are too earthly. We are a spiritual religion. And, and one of the writers in the New Testament, Paul, he writes in 1 Timothy 4 that everything God created, everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. That is, if it's viewed as a blessing from the hand of a good God. So uh, just to kind of clear up when we're talking about what it means for God to bless us, how he blesses us, it's not simply in spiritual, cognitive, um, distance from the material world, philosophical stuff. That's not primarily or simply how God blesses his people. Uh, we have to affirm what the Bible affirms, that we are to receive with thankful hearts, with open hands, everything that God gives us on a very physical level. Um, breath, sleep, food, drink, nature, friends, family. These are all blessings from God to be received with thanksgiving. But, <laughs> lest you're like, yes, I'm off. Um, there's more that needs to be said. Christi Christianity, Christians are, we're not simply hedonists. We're not pleasure seekers, simply. I want you to notice that in verse 1, there's an important qualification, lest we go off the rails too much. What is the primary way that God blesses us? He blesses us, verse 1 says, by causing his face to shine on us. That's the blessing of God's personal presence in our lives. God with us. And if you keep on going through the psalm, you'll see that theme over and over again. Verse 2, verses 6 through 7. We see that knowing God, walking with him, knowing his ways, experiencing his saving power, his forgiveness, um, honoring him as, as, as the fair and good judge, king, shepherd of his people, that's true blessing. That is true blessing. And in fact, what good are, are these earthly blessings if we're not in a right relationship with God? Jesus asked the same question in Matthew 16. What good is it if somebody were to gain the whole world, gain all of these rich blessings, and yet forfeit their own soul? What good is it to receive temporary good and enjoy it if it causes you to miss out on eternal good? And if you're here this morning and you know God the Father, if he is your father, you know that you are his son or daughter. You know Jesus Christ, the, the perfect image of God. This is viewed as ultimate blessing to you. You have been ultimately blessed by being in this right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't know God, you are not in a right relationship with him. He may already be blessing you in tons of... Um, Instagrammable ways, very physical, very good blessings that you can be thankful for. 
But please, like I implore you, please do not miss out on what these blessings are pointing you to. Do not miss out on who these blessings, who they are coming from, who you are supposed to be thankful for. These blessings that you enjoy on a daily basis, they come from the hand of a good, generous, kind, giving, loving God who made you, who made you for a relationship with him. And as an aside, and I, I don't know many of you here, but maybe some of you are in a, in, a, in a season of suffering. And these blessings, they're not as obvious to you. Maybe, maybe some of these earthly blessings have kind of lost their shine. Your marriage is hard. Finances are tight. Your health is tenuous. Do you know in this time, that this greater blessing, when all other blessings fade, do you know the blessing of God's face shining on you, his personal presence? Can you say with the psalmist in another psalm, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like, may, may we all be like that, especially when suffering comes, which it does. So just do a heart check this morning. Is God your greatest blessing? Is he your greatest hope? As you receive and enjoy the things he gives, if they were to go away, is God alone the object of your greatest thanks? All right, so that's the first question. How does God bless us? He blesses us with the things of the earth, the things of the world, and, and, and most importantly, relationship with him, knowing his personal presence. The next question we want to answer, second on your outline, why does God bless us? Why does he bless us? And we've got at least three reasons this, in this text that I want to address on why he blesses us. And the first is this. It's the most fun. Because he's good. It's pretty simple, right? God blesses us because he's good. He blesses us because he's kind. In his nature, he is generous. Uh, God blesses his creation, blesses people indiscriminately. He sends rain, he gives breath, he gives food, both to the just and to the unjust, to evil people and to good people. And God is just good. That's who he is. He is the wealthy person without an ounce of stinginess. He, he gives, he just throws away blessings. How many were, were up this morning to see the sunrise? Uh, maybe don't, don't put up your hands. Everyone's virtue signaling. Oh yeah, I was up really early for my Bible studies. I wasn't, okay? I slept in a little bit. But the sun was up and there was brilliant colors, I'm assuming, because that seems to happen every single morning. And many of us just miss this incredible blessing of beauty from the hand of God. And God just does this every day in many different ways. We don't hear all the birds sing. We don't, we don't witness all the babies being born. And that's maybe scary more than blessing. But, um, you know, like th there are many blessings that you and I miss out on every single day. And God just indiscriminately casts these things out because he is good. He is wonderful. He is generous to the world that he made. And there's no religious test necessary to receive such blessing, right? You, you do not need to be a Christian in order to, uh, to snuggle a baby, we'll say, or to visit the Rocky Mountains or, or to listen to a symphony. These things are just from God because he is good. God, God blesses us. Why? Because he's good. Second, God blesses us because we're his people. This is honing things in a little tighter. Why does God bless us? Specifically, because we are his people. God certainly does generally give blessings to all of his creation, but there is a particular, focused, special blessing to these people called his people. You notice the, the us and our language that we see uh, in verse 1, verses 6 and 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Uh, the earth has yielded increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Who are the us? Well, again, like I said, the Psalms were sung in the context of corporate worship, sung by the people of God, God's chosen people. 
See, in, in the history of redemption, in God's activity on planet Earth, he, he chose in history past a particular man named Abraham. And he told this particular man, Abraham, that he would enter into a special relationship, a covenant with this man, and that he would bless him and that he would bless his family. And this family of Abraham, this chosen man, became the ethnic people of Israel, this enormous nation, this great group. And throughout history, throughout the pages of the scriptures, we read this ongoing story of God's particular generosity and, and graciousness to the people of Israel, his chosen people. He gave them land, he gave them abundant offspring and wealth, he gave incredible blessings, many of them just very physical. But in particular, he caused his face to shine on them. His presence went with Israel wherever they went. Um, they built a, a tabernacle, this large tent, and then later on a temple where God had promised to dwell in a very special way in the midst of his people. He would be their God, they would be his people, unique among all peoples on the earth. God made his, no, his, his ways known particularly to this people by giving the, the Ten Commandments and the law. Time after time in the history of Israel, he rescued them. He, in powerful ways, he came for this particular people. Why? Because they were his people. Because he chose them. He was their God. They were his people. And often, as you read the scriptures, there, um, God uh, says, now, don't forget, the reason I chose you is because I chose you. Like, it's not because there was something really exciting about you or something really special. If you read in Deuteronomy 7, God reminds Israel, it was not because you were more in number than any of the peoples that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers, that is to Abraham. I chose you, people of Israel, because I chose you. As I say that, you might say, oh, that sounds a little unfair, right? Uh, what does God, or why does God pick a, a certain people and not others? Sounds exclusive. Maybe even some of you are like, sounds a little racist. How can God choose one nation to love and, and not love others? Now, um, my wife Brittany isn't here right now, but I would have her stand at this point and demonstrate who she is. My wife Brittany is a wonderful lady. I really love her. There's actually visitors from Resurrection Church in Ottawa, so I want them to record at this point, to report my public honoring of my wonderful wife, Brittany. She's great. Now, I've met a few of you ladies in this church, and, and, and you're wonderful. Uh, I'm a fan, all right? I, I hope that God blesses you. I really do. And, and I would love to pray for you. I would love to seek your good. But I married Brittany. I chose her. And thankfully, if she was here, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, glad she accepted that. Um, and at our wedding, I promised myself to her. I established a, a particular covenant bond with this one woman to the exclusion of all others, one of faithfulness, one of devotion for life, meaning that she is stuck with me. Does that mean that I hate all of the women in this church? No, it doesn't. <laughs> there shouldn't have been that long of a pause. I need to extend that. Does he? No, I don't hate you. <laughs> but Brittany is my wife. I am her husband. And in a similar way, this is, this is what happens when God chooses a people to bless from ancient Israel to his people today. If you're part of the church, you have faith in Jesus Christ, the scriptures teach that you are his people today. You can have confidence that God is your God. You are his people. God has promised to bless you. He has bound himself to you and your good. 
And, and it's good to hear that this isn't like a, a limited time or like a limited engagement, that it's just for a particular kind of people. No, God has offered his covenantal love to all nations, to all peoples. Anyone are welcome into this family, into this covenant bond. It's no one's birthright, even ancient Israel. It's not exclusive to certain ethnicities. All people are welcome to join his people to receive these blessings. So that's the second reason why God blesses us. He blesses us because we are his people. And there's a third reason, a final reason why God blesses us. Look at verse 2, and it's this. I'm going to tie this to the outline. God blesses us, verse 2, that his way may be known on earth, his saving power among all nations. This is an incredibly important that, or so that. It's key. It's key, key, key. You cannot miss this. God chooses us and blesses us, his people, so that his blessings would extend to the nations. Everything that you and I can put a hashtag blessed on is meant, in the end, not only for our private uh, enjoyment, not for our own private good, but so that through it God would bless the nations, would bless all peoples. You are, you are blessed here at Grace Valley with so many good things so that the unchurched, non-religious, uninterested people of Dundas would know and love God, their maker and their savior. Remember, this is the very heart, this is the very focus point of all of Psalm 67. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This is what we're getting after. This is why God blesses us. Now, if you, if you know the scriptures quite well, you might actually hear in it some other um, blessings that are in the Bible. This is like a, a, one of those like a mashups where you take two different songs and you mix them together. It's like a numb encore slash encore by Jay-Z and Linkin Park or a little less conversation by Elvis Presley and JXL. I don't have a beat to put on as I'm reading it. Paul, you should have done that. But it is. It's this musical mashup. It's taking two blessings from the Bible and mixing them together to create something new and distinct and unique. Psalm 67 mixes up two very famous biblical blessings. First is the Abrahamic blessing that we find in Genesis chapter 12. And the next is the Aaronic blessing that we find in Numbers chapter 6. One blessing, the one in Genesis 12, is the blessing at the very beginning of God's project with a particular people. This blessing that he gives to Abraham. Um, and, and it's this wonderful blessing where he promises again uh, to, to bless them, to be with them, to give them wealth and people and land. It crystallizes to them um, that, uh, that they are his people. The next blessing in number six is this blessing to the people as they are now this vast group. They're an entire nation of Israel. Now, now why does the psalmist combine these two blessings, one at the very beginning of Israel's history, one when they are like in the land and they're growing and growing. Well, I think it's for this reason. It's to crystallize in the mind of Israel that every blessing that they've received from the very beginning of their existence to the very end as it continues to grow is for a very specific purpose that the nations would know him. When you look around this room, do you understand that we are part of the fulfillment of Psalm 67? As you look around this room, this is the reality. Take, take a really meta look at this, okay? We are now thousands of years after these blessings, after, after number 6, Genesis 12, Psalm 67, after these things are said, right? We are on the other side of the planet. We are in Canada gathering here. We're singing songs together to this one God. We are, we are fulfilling it. There is a West Indian guy <laughs> preaching to a church of Canadians that's led by a Dutch guy in a denomination that was begun by Scottish Americans. Right, that, that is where we're at in history. 
we have been incredibly blessed. Our forefathers have been incredibly blessed so that we would be blessed, so that we would know God and praise him. And now that you have been so blessed, it's your turn. You are being sent. Every blessing that you have ever received, friends, that you, that you have received in the past, every blessing that you will receive in the future has a sharp, specific, laser focus to it that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. Christian, <laughs> feel the weight of your blessings. Your blessings have put you under responsibility. Maybe you hear this particular call and you're like, I'm, I'm done with blessings, thank you very much. <laughs> that's, a, that's a high calling, Exactly. These good things that God loves to give to his people, that he's generous, they have a specific focus, that other people would be blessed by them. So maybe this call is a little scary for you because you feel like you have very little to give. You, know, you, you don't have, you feel like you're, you're, you're kind of running on fumes as it is. Or maybe, maybe you're not in a place um, where you can like leave the country or leave the city to, to do this kind of work. <clears throat> maybe you're still in school, uh, Maybe your mom won't let you go, you know, like, um, you know, uh, you, maybe you've got young kids, you're a mom, you're, you're, you're at home, you're working like a boss, or you've got a demanding, very important local job, or you're a student, you've got a full course load, you're still training, and I get that. How is it that God is going to bless the nations through busy people with busy lives who, who maybe feel a little bit stuck, or they have a, a, a sure place here in Dundas or Flenboro? Am I right? Is it Flenboro? I just want to sound like I'm really local. Okay, how is God going to use people like us? Well, first, take this as perhaps a call that you need to slow down a little bit. You just need to relax. You need to take a breath. Maybe clear up your schedule a little bit. Maybe this is a wake-up call for you to free your schedule a little bit so that you are more free for mission. You can go to the Cactus Festival. Am I right? Okay, good. See, I'm, I'm one of you guys. Okay. Um, all right. Um, but while, while that is true, that I think, I think for many of us, we need to free up our schedule a little bit for the sake of this purpose for which we are here, the other thing is that we need to be simply faithful with what little we have. We need to use what little God has given us faithfully. Look at verse 6. How does God bless all of the earth with food? Where does God's great harvest originate? Uh, what does he choose to start massive blessing with? tiny seeds, little itty bitty seeds. That's kind of the way of God. He starts with something that's seemingly insignificant, teeny weeny, barely see them seeds, and what happens in the end when they're faithfully planted? They, they grow uh, to produce an abundant harvest which feeds thousands, which feeds millions. God uses little to create his abundant harvest. That is the way, and some of that is so that we don't get to boast that, man, we really invested in this. It's No, we gave little, and God did great things with it. In the same way, God is pleased to use the tiny people here at Grace Valley, no offense, actually most of you are taller than me, but chooses to use the little people of Grace Valley giving their little contributions to do a great thing in Canada and the ends of the world. If you don't use your seeds, God won't use, he, he won't raise his harvest. If you don't begin to use the little God has given you, the nation simply will not know him. That is his way. So, how do you invest small little bits faithfully, have a quick coffee with a neighbor. Say a 30-second prayer for the classmate who's trapped in sin and is too blind to see it. Give $10 to that, to that mother who you just think it might bless. God blesses you so that others can know him. And he uses even the smallest things in his service. 
Well, let's, let's end here. Um, you've heard a little bit. Hopefully you stay afterwards. You hear a little bit more about what we're doing in Halifax. Britt and I, we're moving our family out there. We hope um, at least by January 2020, depending on how things go. Um, and it's about five years ago that uh, my wife and I decided to move from Toronto, where we were living, to Ottawa to help plant Resurrection Church with our friends Ben and Jen Jollis. And it has been an incredibly rich five years in Ottawa. Um, we have been blessed uh, far more than we've given. We have received back. Uh, it's been rich. We, we, we've, you know, added three more kids to our family. We grew to a family of six. We, our, our church grew from, from receiving about five families uh, on a Sunday to now about 130 souls that meet every week. Uh, we love our church. Our, our church is wonderful. We love our small group, um, our kids, our church mice at this point. Everybody knows them. They've seen them grow up before their eyes. We live in, in probably the greatest neighborhood in the world. No offense, Dundas. Um, but we have a great community. We love our neighbors. We've gotten to know them over the course of five years. There's great restaurants. There's community programs. And we've gained such dear friends outside of the church as well. I was actually born in Ottawa. And so I've had a great time reconnecting with childhood friends, high school friends. And Britt, uh, the all-star that she is, she's done a wonderful job befriending, uh, I'd say hundreds, thousands, millions of moms and, and, and women in our neighborhood. She's just, a, she's, she's a dynamo. And I've got a great job. I've got a great job at Resurrection. Ben isn't here, but you can tell him I talked about him. It's great working with Ben at Resurrection Church. It's, it's lovely to be part of the discipleship process at our church, um, to do outreach um, in our area, um, to do like street chaplaincy stuff. There's gr um, amazing things that we get to do at Resurrection. And in Ottawa, let me just count my blessings. We have been blessed with a great church. I have a great job. We have a great community. We have great friends. God has blessed us beyond measure. So why are we leaving it all? Why move our family across the country to where we don't know anybody? Why leave a paid salary and have to go around asking people, would you support us? Why move on from our dearest friends, from our family? Why start from scratch? Why risk it? Because God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. The reason why God has blessed us so much, we know, is that so his blessings would extend to others. Now, my calling is, as a pastor, as a church planner, is, it's unique. Not everyone's called into pastoral ministry. Not all of you have been called to, to pick up where you are right now to move somewhere else. But some of you might be. I mean this very seriously. God may be calling someone in this room some family here to move to another city, to move to another country, maybe even to Halifax to help us. The cities of this world are desperate for the gospel. God has blessed us so much, so please pray about it. Please strongly consider it. We can't do it alone. Other churches can't do it alone. We need the whole body of Christ. It would be a mess if it was just pastors going. But regardless of the place where you're, where you're being called this morning, God's asking you, through this text, he's asking you to radically reorient your views and your purpose while you're here in Dundas. To see every blessing that you've received through fresh eyes. To use every blessing that he's given you ultimately to bless others. To be thankful to God and to bless others so that they may know and praise him. And listen, what God is asking you to do, as hard as it sounds this morning, it's not original. We're not, we're not um, trailblazing here. Not, not only have saints in the past done this we can look at the example of cross-cultural mi missionaries in the past who've given all to to go somewhere else but this type of selfless other focused giving that we see in psalm 67 is seen clearest in the life of jesus christ 
Jesus did Psalm 67 perfectly to a degree that you and I cannot even approach. Before Jesus ever came to the earth, he was with God and he was God. He was in the heavens and Jesus was blessed beyond measure. He enjoyed the immediacy of his father's presence. The father's face shined on him without any filter. The son enjoyed the father's love and communing affection. Jesus was worshipped and served by angels, honored by all the hosts of heaven, had the armies of heavens at his disposal. But Jesus didn't cling to these blessings. He didn't hoard them. He didn't keep them to himself. Instead, Jesus left the heavens. He came to the world that he created, a world that had been devastated by the effects of sin and death to people that he made, but who were themselves broken and wicked. And Jesus came, and he didn't come wearing his blessed eternal majesty. He laid it aside. He took on flesh. He took on weakness. He took on plain, regular skin and bone. And in the flesh, Jesus, for the first time, was hungry he was thirsty, he was tired. He laid aside his blessings for these things. Jesus was not received, by the way, with open arms, with love and trust from the people he came for. Jesus was despised. He had a hard road all of his days on earth. He was despised and mistrusted. They suspected the pure one of evil motives. And Jesus spoke saving words. But he was slandered, and he was mocked, and he was falsely accused. And Jesus in the flesh, he endured nakedness and shame and ultimately death. And he did it for a very specific reason, so that you could be blessed, so that you could know God. This is the reason why Christ, who was blessed beyond measure in eternity past, came, came to us. And he died a cruel death at the hands of Roman executioners outside of the ancient city of Jerusalem. The reason why Jesus did it was so that God could extend his blessings to the nations. Whatever Jesus is calling you to lay aside this morning, he is laid aside more. Whatever distance he's calling you to go this morning to bless another, Jesus has traveled further. Jesus was the blessed one. He was the sent one. Jesus was the crucified one. Why? Well, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that was laid on him brought us peace. By his wounds, we're healed. And now Christ, the blessed one, the now resurrected and ascended one. He is in heaven and he blesses his people. He is still blessing you, his people, with grace upon grace. And he sends his church as his own body. By his spirit, he empowers you. He enables you to obey him in this particular way. May he do it. May he use you. May he use us. May, he be, may we be blessed as, as a church, as the people of Dundas, Ottawa, Halifax, so that the people of Dundas, Ottawa, and Halifax, and the ends of the earth may be glad, may sing for joy. May God be their God forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your kindness to us. God, we, we, we confess openly and readily that we are not worthy recipients of such blessings, of such goodness, of your presence in our lives for the times that we sin for how we fail. We fail to, to, even as your people, extend blessings to others, how we hoard, how we, we hold to ourselves. We, we think of ourselves more than we think of others. God, we thank you that it's on such sinners that you extend your love and your forgiveness through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for my friends here. I pray for Grace Valley. Would you bless them beyond measure in everything they need? 
the physical as well as the spiritual. I pray that this place then wouldn't become a vault for such blessings, uh, but would be, it would be a highway where blessings are sent out into neighborhoods and other cities and other nations. God, bless this people here at Grace Valley. May, may they know you, and, and may they love the blessings that they receive so much that they, they can't help but, but share it, but be generous with others. We ask that you would help us, God, by your spirit. Send your spirit now. Empower, enable, equip us. Give us everything we need to, to imitate you, to be like you in your generosity. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.